0: All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith.
1: Happy much mo- happy mo- Is my mic on? Should there, be on. There
0: we go. Happy Monday. Okay. All right. Uh, on the show last week, we talked about the money laundering report that came out and whether Kevin Falcon, the Liberal leader, should apologize. Mm-hmm. And I think we both came to the conclusion that it, he would be smart to apologize for the failings of the previous liberal government on this file, especially when he, he was really on the hook for it, when he said, while he was campaigning for the liberal leadership, if this report accuses the former liberal government of mishandling this in any way, that he would apologize. And he did. And he did. So let's listen to the apology. This is uh, Kevin Falcon apologizing the other day, and we get your thoughts.
1: It was my party, even if I wasn't in government with them at the time. Yeah. And so we do apologize unreservedly for that. And as far as the accountability, our job will be making sure that we hold the government to account for the 101 recommendations that have been made by Colin and ensure that those get implemented.
0: Okay, I thought it was interesting the way he turned it around there and said, okay, now we're going to hold this government to account on it. Your thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, good for Falcon for doing that. I mean, I don't think uh, there's nothing wrong with a politician to apologize. There's lots of examples where public... uh, Opinion improves in the wake of an apology yeah. or, or a second look or something. But it'll be interesting he wants the government to implement these recommendations. I think what you're going to see is David Eby, probably right monthly, will start holding updates on the progress of implementing these recommendations and use that opportunity to remind everyone why they're being implemented in the first place because of what was happening when the Liberals were in power. So the Liberals are going to try to put this behind them. I don't blame them at all. And Eby's going to try to keep it in front of them as much as he can.
0: Yeah, and sure, I mean, the, the Liberals would love to be talking more about a billion-dollar museum or any other problems facing British Columbia than, than money laundering under the previous government. Do you think, though, by po- apologizing in the manner that he did, and I think he was smart to do it and do it quickly, uh, put it behind him?
1: Well, I think, I think both the statements from him and from Mike Dion yeah. were not, uh, you know, they were admitting that the previous uh, administration got it wrong. Yeah. And uh, but again, I don't. I don't think it's as big an issue out there with the public as it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, the Cullen Commission kind of diffuses this a bit. Um, and I don't think this is necessarily the issue the Liberals have to worry about the most. I th- still think affordability, housing, uh, and healthcare are the. Those are the three issues flagged by that Angus Reid poll last last week. Which those three stand apart from any other issue in terms of public priority and public concern and those are the issues that are going to frame the next election not money laundering
0: austin cullen the commissioner here who led this public inquiry the judge said that although he, he named names he named christy clark he named rich coleman he named mike DeYoung, and he accused them all of not doing enough on money laundering but he said it did not reach the threshold of corruption. There was no criminal conduct here. There was no corruption going on. And none of
1: the people he named are going to be running the next election anyways. Yeah. I mean, this is very much about the last administration, not the next group of liberals. I mean, Mike deyoung is rumored to be jumping to the federal side at yeah. some point. Uh, Coleman's gone. Christy Clark's gone from politics. So it's uh, again, uh, becomes increasingly dated, particularly as we approach the next election in 2024.
0: Falcon, of course, continues to remind voters that he was out of politics for a decade before he got back into it here now, and he was not around during this money laundering episode. He was out of politics at that mm-hmm. time. D- does the public give him a pass in that way, or does he still look like a guy from the you know the bad old well, days of that government?
1: It, it's it, interesting to, to disassociate yourself from a government that goes on for 16 years. Even if you leave at the 12-year mark or whatever, uh, it's hard to... To do that. But again, I go back to, I do not think this is a vote determining issue come the next election. As much as the NDP would like it to be, I still think voters are going to have in their minds other issues. Not necessarily. It was interesting that Angus Reed poll. The top three issues, again, as I mentioned, were housing affordability, cost of living, and healthcare. Yet the NDP, even though the NDP has faulted on failing on all three issues by a significant amount, though the voters are still willing to give the New Democrats a bit of a break here yeah. and still vote for them much more so than the B.C. liberals. And the challenge for the liberals between now and 2024 is to change that uh, that equation. Yeah.
0: Okay, speaking of the cost of living, inflation running at 30-year highs and set to go up even higher. And last week, we saw Chrystia Freeland, the federal finance minister, outline a plan to deal with inflation, and it includes a lot more government spending. So she outlined $8.9 billion in mm-hmm. new programs designed to help Canadians get through Uh, inflation right now you've got the the opposition conservative saying well wait a second it's government spending is the problem here not the solution you should stop spending Mm -hmm. maybe try cutting taxes instead now let's have a listen to freeland here she gave that keynote speech in toronto last week on this point and you'll hear her i think quite clearly go after pierre Polyev, the conservative mp A lot of people think he's a front-runner for the Conservative leadership. Doesn't mention him by name here, but I think it's quite clear who she's talking about. Have a listen to the Federal Finance Minister here, Christopher Phelan, then I'll get your thoughts. At this time of global economic and political volatility, undermining Canada's fundamental institutions, very much including the Bank of Canada, is highly irresponsible, not to mention economically illiterate. Okay, of course, Polyev has, co- has called for the the governor of the Bank of Canada to be fired. He said he would fire he's him taking, if he becomes prime minister.
1: Yeah, he's taking a lot of heat for that, understandably so. So Freeland, again, with, as you mentioned, not naming him, it's clear the liberals think Polyev is going to win that leadership yeah. contest. And that's why you're going to see you know, between now and that contest that you're going to see other statements such as similar to Freeland that's going to be pointed uh, criticism of Polyev without actually naming him.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, Polyev has accused the Bank of Canada for bungling um, fiscal policy and monetary policy in Canada, printing too much money, as Polyev describes it. And now you got increased government spending as an answer to inflation. So this is a, you know, he's going to keep beating that bass drum here. This is not going to get him to shut up or back down. Um, well, does it work for him isn't it, it is it a policy it'll, that works
1: for him it would be interesting if he ke- keeps banging the cryptocurrency drum which yeah. is completely cratered i mean and that cr- raises uh, questions about his credibility on economic issues when he he goes all in on something and it completely tanks yeah uh so freeland you know economically illiteracy is going to be the tag they're going to put on Polio. that it's it's incompetency when it comes to economic matters not yeah. not uh, Realism.
0: Okay, get set to call me on that one. We spoke earlier on the show today, Keith, about Sebastian Vettel. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, are you are you a race, Formula One fan, race car fan?
1: Nah, not really. But it's you know, I watch it a bit. I enjoy enjoy
0: it. I mean, the Canadian Grand Prix is. It's interesting to see that going again. Sebastian Vettel, German race car driver in the F1 circuit, is a four-time former champion, and he showed up in Canada last weekend wearing a T-shirt accusing Canada of climate change crime, going after the Alberta oil sands in particular.
1: Almost satire. (laughs) You you think know, so? <laughs> it's almost satirical for, for a Formula One driver who basically earns his, his living on the Burning fossil consumption fuels. of yeah. fossil fuels and then yeah. decrying the, the resource uh, activities to get those fossil fuels into his car. Is, <laughs> in in his, his quest to make millions of dollars on fossil fuels and then decrying fossil fuels is… Uh, Again, I'll just say it's satirical more than anything. Okay,
0: well, let's have a listen to him. So here's the F1 driver, Sebastian Vettel here, going after the Alberta oil sands on the weekend.
1: What happens in Alberta is a a crime. I think, um, you know, as I said, there's so much science around the topic that fossil fuels are going to end and living in a time that we do now. um, These things shouldn't be allowed anymore and they shouldn't happen.
0: And his major sponsor is Aramco, Saudi (laughs) Arabian oil company. I know,
1: you can't make this stuff up um but it does highlight sort of the challenges of demanding changes to to fight climate change yet still participating in everyday activities where fossil fuels are so much part of your life it's not just gasoline in your car yeah. i mean fossil fuels uh you know Account for almost 100 percent of manufacturing out there. Everything you consume can be uh, traced back to fossil fuels. But again, I find this satirical at best. Well, there's one driver would be decrying this.
0: There's an old saying that there's no such thing as bad publicity. And Peter McCartney, I spoke to him earlier on the show today from the Wilderness Committee. He's one of the more Mm high-profile climate change campaigners in BC, and he said, "Well, look, you know, I don't believe this guy is the best poster boy for, for climate change." On the other hand. I'm here on your show talking about climate change today and and the oil sands. So the fact that this guy does speak out, angers some people. Some people call him a hypocrite. But on the other hand, he gets people talking.
1: And so. that's that's part of the goal of uh, a yeah. number of activists, to just get the conversation going on this. Okay. All right. Phone me as on any of as those. As funny as that part is. Yeah. Phone <laughs> me on
0: any of those now. We we played Kevin Falcon's apology for you there, the B.C. Liberal leader apologizing for the former government's mishandling of money laundering. Call me on that. Does that put the issue to rest for you now and the role the pre, the Liber, liberals played on that file? Phone me. Let me know. We played Christian Freeland there going after Pierre Polyev, calling him economically ill illiterate. Phone me on that too. Sebastian Vettel, the F1 driver. Dave and Langley. Hey, Dave.
2: Hi. I just Hi. want to say that I don't think apology is enough. I think we have to kind of stop this kind of behavior from the government. Uh, Mr. Cullen's only one person, one opinion, and uh, we have to uh, go into it further and stop this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Thanks, yeah. Thanks yeah, for the call.
1: One yeah. part of the Cullen Commission didn't, didn't get the attention that it should have got, although, you know, some of our colleagues did do it, Justine Hunter did a piece, Vaughn Palmer did a piece on Saturday. The federal government yeah. in this thing, completely, yeah. completely, completely um, useless when yeah. it comes to funding money laundering. I mean, that. in, in fact, that's where I think a, a disproportionate share of the blame should be laid. It wasn't, I mean, I'm not excusing it at all what the liberals looking the other way conveniently, but so much of this is tied up to federal government resources and jurisdiction and they really let things down and that's where things have to change.
0: Yeah, and it, there was uh, significant criticism directed at the feds as well as the province and mm-hmm. BC. The BC Lottery Corporation took a lot of heat, but the federal government did as Fintrac. well. Because at the end of the day, yeah, Fintrack is RCMP, federal responsibility. The
1: federal responsibility. That line share yeah. responsibility lies with the feds. Yeah. And they came up woefully short.
0: Yeah. And EB, David EB, the attorney general, has, has really slammed the federal government on this as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a really good thing to remember. So there's a lot of blame to go around here for, for sure. And I think, you know, obviously the BC Liberals, deservedly deserved to be keelhauled to a degree Mm -hmm. over this thing. But, you know, the feds took a lot, took a lot of, uh, deserve a lot of blame as well. Rob and Chilliwack. Hey, Rob. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hey, uh, you know, Keith, Keith says that British Columbians he figures the percentage are willing to give uh, Oregon and NDP a break. Not this cowboy. The the NDP is making, people are sucking wind here, Mike. I think I told you before, I'm almost 54. I have never felt this in my life in terms of gas prices. And once again, I am going to go back to the, to the uh, museum deal. I mean, come on. Cut the taxes at the pump, Mr. Horgan, and get on with it. Help people out. Thank you. Thanks, a lot. Yeah, Inflation is real. Oh, it's, it's, uh, people, everyone's feeling it.
1: Yeah, and it could strangle the NDP government at the end of the day. I mean, we're still two years away from a vote. Uh, as it stands now, the Liberals haven't prosecuted the government enough to uh, see their numbers improve. But it's early, Kevin Falcon. It's early in the day for Kevin Falcon. A lot of people don't know who he is. Uh, his numbers aren't really that great in that Angus Reid poll. But again, we're two years away from a vote.
0: Yeah, so we're two years Morgan. out from another election. Mm-hmm. Oregon continues to. That recent opinion poll that you cited is was taken after the museum mm-hmm. announcement. Right. So this also is sure. after the billion dollar museum bungle that, in some ways, and yet it didn't seem to hurt him in again, the polls.
1: Again, but will that change over time? Yeah. So this was uh, 70% against the museum project, yet half of those people are willing to uh, give the NDP another
0: chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see where that goes. 604 280 9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Chris and Langley. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey guys, got to tie this all together and uh just a little uh briefing on where we are with Saudi Arabia. Uh the recession, gas prices, all huge. We're looking at places to blame. Saudi Arabia is a huge part of it. They have a weird working relationship with the United States. The United States after the Russian invasion went to Saudi Arabia and asked OPEC to start pumping out more oil. They told the United States to pound sand and here we are in this gas crisis. So then I parlay that to uh, Vettel and his seemingly odd statement about Canadian oil uh, after he's being backed by Saudi oil. And so I wonder if it's not some political statement more than this environmental statement. All at these stupid environmentalists don't know anything. They don't even realize we use oil. You know, he, he's sponsored by oil and play off that whole thing. Okay. We, okay. They're actually tarnishing, trying to tarnish our industry to the benefit of their
0: industry thank you for that i mean at the same time he's slamming the alberta oil sands he's wearing a helmet and a and a and a, and a suit in his in his car that's got a saudi arabian oil company emblazoned on it all so. the
1: politics of oil are complex no question and saudi arabia is a, a major player so it's an interesting theory the caller has I, I don't know much about that
0: though. rick in port moody rick you got 30 seconds
2: uh, it's funny, we're talking about an athlete that makes about $30 million a year on, on endorsements. I, I think your last caller has it right on, on the mark. Uh, Vettel's been kind of peeing in every direction. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, before the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, he went on and had a statement saying he doesn't think that any of the advancements that Formula One cars making are making with electronics are, are worthwhile and that they're going to be transferred on down. So on one hand, he's saying electric is not going to work, and now on the other hand, he's saying gas. So your last caller had it right on the money. It's about politics of, of oil.
1: Okay, thank you for that. I didn't think we'd spend so much time on Formula One racing when I got in here. <laughs> okay, Keith, thanks for coming in. Dr. Right. Tomorrow. tomorrow, ten thirty tomorrow. Ten thirty we'll tomorrow. We'll see you then. Okay, a
0: different time for uh, Baldry's Beat tomorrow. Nine one one. Nine one one. Nine one one. Nine one, one. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God! The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hover in, hover. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way.
2: Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 9-1-1 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.